Welcome to all of you today. Welcome to this Sunday special edition of a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Melanie C., a recovered compulsive overeater living in Candy, Oregon. Today is Sunday, October 16th, 2022. The share ID numbers for Friday, October 14th, 2022 are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Weekday Big Book Study share ID. ID number 516, 19,516. And the share ID number for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time weekday big book study meeting is 19517, 19,517. And it is the hope that you will avail yourself of the opportunity to review those studies for the rich teaching and inspiration that they are. You'll view those over on our website, and we'll talk about that later. The title for this morning's A Vision for You presents is no Monday morning quarterbacking. The focus topic of this presentation will be on steps two and three, sharing personal experience and weaving that experience through together with the text found in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're gonna get into this ladies today and gentlemen. You may want to follow along having your big book handy. Well, it feels a bit off the beam to just jump right in without mentioning step one for just a moment. It is where we begin a journey of recovery, admitting that we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. And there may be some splitting of hairs around this statement, for there is much, much that proceeds arriving to that step one. But it is good to be able to say here right now, in this way, in step one, we admitted this, that we are powerless. Step two and three is where the relief begins. We are, we are powerless. We are unmanageable, drunk or sober. If we stop just there, what a despairing thing that that would be. We know by the time we hit these rooms, we have convinced ourselves we have failed in our attempt to stop drinking altogether. We are here seeking help. The relief I was mentioning is one of throwing ourselves into the hands of the real solution, backed by hundreds of thousands of testimonials and evidence of power that is at work in our lives and of the individual. Came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity, step two. The big book describes this process meticulously. We do not have to get it all at once, though. We simply decide. The rest will be happening to us. The emphasis here is not on who or what the power is, but on what the power can do for us. The awareness and understanding that we can't recover alone and that we need help is really the lesson at, at this point in recovery. The spiritual principles that we are, that are the foundation of this step are open-mindedness, willingness, faith, trust, and humility. It really doesn't matter whether we have any idea of how this power greater than ourselves is going to be able to help us, just that we come to believe that it is possible. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of, separates two things, will and lives. Will and lives. When working on step three, we look at how acting on self-will means behaving with the exclusion of any consideration of others, focusing only on what we want and ignoring the needs and feelings of others. While we were busy pursuing these impulses, we left a path of destruction behind us and we lost touch 
with our conscience and a higher power. However, while working the third step, we begin to focus our attention on seeking knowledge of a higher power's will for us. Making decision to turn our lives and our will won't do anything unless we take action. Simply deciding without following it up with action is meaningless. For example, you can plan to go to a meeting, but if you don't leave your home for the rest of the day, it won't happen, will it? As well as the steps in OA, there are many helpful recovery options that have worked at maintaining sobriety and a connection with a higher power. There's actually a very effective and simple prayer adapted from a prayer by Reinhold Niebuhr that is known as the Serenity Prayer, which can help you as you are seeking knowledge and making a decision to turn it over on a daily basis, step two and step three process. For some people, a three-letter word of God, the source of power, is most offensive. Time and time again, the word God, being in OA literature and, and meetings, will raise the hair on the back of one's neck. Upon closer inspection, however, and much to our relief, we do, we do not have to consider anyone else's conception of God or a God, but instead can rely on and create our own idea of who and what God is. For ourselves. In fact, about half the original members of Alcoholics Anonymous considered themselves atheists and agnostics before they began the 12-step program of recovery in AA. In AA, we also have the freedom to choose our own concept, lay aside our prejudice, and have the willingness to seek a power greater than ourselves. You can call that higher power God if you'd like, creative force if you'd like, a oneness within the universe, beauty, hope, inspiration, kindness, love, whatever you want, whatever you want. There's even an acronym that some like to use to remind themselves that a room full of other recovering addicts is their higher power, and one of those happens to be a group of drunks, another one happens to be good orderly direction. There's lots of room for, the, for this to enlarge and we are sure that the decision is ours alone and will carry us to recovery and beyond. Today we will hear more about the practice steps together day in and day out, the decisions that were made, the restoration to sanity and the enlarging of the power defined personally. Our speaker will illustrate how this will come to be a quick set of steps to move on to the deeper work and yet utilize daily as we continue to live one day at a time in recovery. Our guest speaker today hails from the great recovery state of Maryland. This may very well be the first time to be presenting on a vision for you this morning. I'm grateful to have the speaker today. This will bring a fresh voice with personal and specific recovery details and testimony to the great miracles that abound in Overeaters Anonymous. So, Please, with no further ado, help me, want, help me welcome this morning for the Sunday special edition as you settle down in your chair to listen to the blessings and be amazed today. Let's warmly welcome Judith S.P. to the line. Welcome, Judith. Good morning, Melanie, and everyone here. Thank you, Melanie, for that uh, beautiful beginning because it relaxed me incredibly. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be here with you all, and uh, 
I will do my best. This is my first time, and the first time is always amazing, the first time. Actually, uh, this is my first day of recovery because this is the only day I have. Um, I would like to begin with the step three prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self so that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties so that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help with thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Thy will be done. I'm truly grateful to God and to you all to give me this opportunity today to share my experience, strength, and hope with you. I have to just share that um, this is truly for me a God-inspired and God-directed experience. Earlier in this week, I received an inspiration from God to just inquire, and I highlight inquire, um, what's involved in becoming part of a panel and or speaking, sharing at a special edition. So when I touched base with the person who I asked, I was, I was given some information, and at the end of the communication, the other person shared with me that today, coming up when I spoke, October 16th, there was an opening, and I paused. And without really knowing, I said, oh, okay, I'll do it. And of course, as, as I recall when uh, we bought the house we're in now, there's something called buyer's remorse. And I backpedaled and said, Judith, what, what did you do? What, what are you doing? You're not ready. You don't know what to help or say or do. And I just turned to God, and God said, Judith, you'll do your best. And that's what I'm here to do today. Where my topic came from, I come from a family with uh, my oldest son, who is very athletic, and my husband still loves football. And so for some reason, Monday morning quarterbacking, came to resonate in my mind, and uh, I thought it was a good one. And then connecting it with steps two and three are very, very valuable to me. Um, I will define right now to me from looking and, and researching a little bit what Monday morning quarterbacking means to me. And... Um, I'll read the definition that came to me from someplace. A person who acts like they have all the answers to problems, especially, especially in hindsight, usually without having any experience in that area. And that pretty much sums up 
my run in my life for so many years, driven with the ball of self-will. Before I get into the specifics on how this topic of Monday morning quarterbacking and steps two and three relate, I'd like to share a little bit with you about who I am, my journey, and where I am today. And please know I hopefully will not take up too much time because it's relevant but not really that relevant to the topic. Um, my early years in uh, Brooklyn, New York, were, were, I guess, okay. And uh, I think, as I recall, around the age of eight, when I was very lonely, and uh, although I had an older brother, uh, he was much older than I, so I grew up feeling like a, uh, an only child. Well, food became <clears throat> my comfort, my source of security, my source of pleasure and relief from fear and loneliness. And once I got hold of it, all bets were off. And my family, whether they knew or didn't know that this was what I was doing, because they were fairly self-absorbed, as many parents and adults are in their own lives. And so a lot of the foods that I went to were brought into the house. When they were gone, they were replenished. And we had candy stores, and we had, um, today we have health food stores with bulk health foods in them, so you can buy them big quantity. Well, we also had those type of stores with candy. And my father, who was a lawyer, was able to have um, one of his clients was the guy who owned this big store. Anyway, we we had lots of candy, lots of candy. And so that was my go-to. As I started growing up in my adolescence and early adulthood, I added to the food, uh, the candy mostly, and uh, salty, crunchy stuff as well. I added drugs. I added alcohol. But in reality, the drugs and alcohol could not compare to what the food would do for me. And, of course, the food was always accessible. So... Life became Judith and her food, and that really separated me from everybody, even when I wanted to and felt that I, I needed and wanted to be close to people. Um, around the age of 29, everything fell apart for me, and um, I became suicidal. I was hospitalized. I was brought down to Maryland where, thank God, I live today healthy and in such better shape. Um, my mother died several months after I was hospitalized. This was an inpatient facility. And in retrospect, and even right now, I know my mother died of this disease at 63, although that wasn't the diagnosis of death on her uh, death certificate. So I was hospitalized, and that was the beginning, even though um, attention to my food issues was not addressed. This was my first um, opportunity to be born in a way that was somewhat closer to who I really was. 
and I thank God for bringing me to this incredible facility where I stayed back then for a year and a half and progressively got better and better and uh, was able to leave and take on my life for myself. For the next few decades, although a blur, I coasted along, eating, feeling fat and ugly, trying this diet, trying that diet, really trying very, very hard to be normal. But I didn't even really know, and even today, I don't really know what normal means. I, I don't know what normal is, but I have these conceptions, and I did have these conceptions um, based upon other people and experiences and envy and jealousy of what I did not have. I'm not going to go into much more detail on the history um, I will talk a little bit about Monday morning quarterback, which is what I did most of my life. I would I would lead, lead impulsively throughout most of my life. I just wanted to get to feel better. I wanted to get to feel comfortable. I wanted to be able to fit in. And the only answer for me was food, food, food. And in going to the food as much as I did, I would always look after the fact, what did you do, Judith? When I was a kid, I'd say, Judy, what'd you do? But then I grew up and I became Judith, which is my name on the birth certificate. It doesn't matter what you call me. Just call me. Um... And and it, it just wrecked havoc. And when I came into these rooms, and I will speak a little bit um, about that, I had the weight to lose. I wasn't that concerned about the weight as much as I was spiritually, emotionally. Mentally, I was better because of my hospitalization. Physically, not not it was what it was let's just say that but emotionally and spiritually i was near death's door i was cranky i was abusive i was self-centered um i could give a crap really about anybody else i put on a front of being this liberal loving you know kumbaya kind of gal but underneath it all, I didn't care about you. I didn't care about the issues of the world. I didn't care about the person next to me who maybe needed a hand to get picked up. And and it was pretty lousy because I had to live with me. And I realized today the person, obviously, that I spend the most time with in this life is me. And I was treating myself like a piece of garbage eating garbage and being garbage. That really was not giving me the opportunity to live my life in a way that now, thank God, I am able to do. So back to the quarterbacking for a moment. I would always look at, what'd you do? Okay, now I'm going to do it better. But it was always in hindsight. I never stood in my present moment and looked forward. What can I do better and differently? 
And one of the key reasons that I never succeeded is the one word, which is one letter, I, I. I always felt and acted and behaved in the I, in the selfish. Sure, I would have a friend here. I'd be on a team there. Um, I'd be part of something. Uh, but it always was driven by the I. And uh, that was my Monday morning quarterback. And you know what? <clears throat> Excuse me. It never worked. It never worked. And uh, I came into these rooms in 2014 <clears throat> through another program. And when I came in, I will say, say thank you, God. The elephant was in the middle of the room. I did the recovery and did the 12 steps in the other program. But this elephant of me and my I was filling up to the room, filling the room up where I had nowhere to go and no, no way to move around the room. I was stuck. And if I, if I didn't do something about it, I didn't want to go back to suicide thinking and acting. I didn't want to curl up under my cover day after day. I couldn't do that anymore. I'd already done that. And God gave me an opening when I was 29. And here I was in my 60s. Enough is enough. So in March of 2014, I started my journey into the rooms. I came in. I was very welcomed and felt at home in the group that I went to, found a sponsor, did the big book in a whiplash manner where I think my neck kind of still is, is aching a little bit. Um, I don't recall doing a fourth step. I don't remember making amends. Maybe I did it conceptually. but uh, And so I spent mm, seven years in the rooms, more so like I really liked the social element because I felt comfortable here. And, uh, you know, I would come, sometimes we would go out after meetings. I liked that, too, because I didn't really want to spend much time with myself. Um, but I knew it wasn't working. I didn't sponsor, and I think that's part of what the edginess was about. I didn't really take on any service position. You know, they'd say, we're looking for, and I'd curl up smaller and smaller. We need a leader for next week, and I'd get smaller and smaller. Um, so in in the winter of um, 2021, I prayed to God almost daily. And let me just pause for a moment and say, I've always felt connected to God, my creator, there was a spirit energy inside of me, even as a little girl, that always felt there was something there with me, but it was buried deep down inside. And now it has grown and has taken on the leadership in my life. So back in May 2021, God brought me to the point where I was able to ask a wonderful, wonderful human being, to sponsor me. And fortunately, again, thank you, God, she was available. 
and I started working the steps with her. And just as when 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 one goes to the ocean, if you've had the opportunity, I hope you have, and the water is very cold, and we have no shoes on, sometimes we trickle in and run back out and say, oh, it's too cold. And then sometimes, knowing how wonderful it's going to feel once I get in, we take a deep dive. And even though there's a chill momentarily, my body's temperature and the temperature of the water balances out. And that's what I did with the 12 steps. I took a deep dive. I didn't even think about excusing myself. We met daily. I did the assignments. I did the readings. I did the extra writings. It wasn't perfect. I hiccuped a couple times and had to go back to step one, which is always, I should say, going forward to step one because the quality that I gained from going forward to step one was much greater than being put in a chair and saying, you have to sit there for a while. You didn't do well enough. And... uh so I, I finished the steps um, and and was ready to sponsor anxiously and nervously um, because I knew that that was my responsibility. Someone was there when I needed, and it was up to me to carry the message as I learned over and over in the instructions in the big book and was reminded by my sponsor that that was mine to do as well. I took the responsibility pledge, and onward I went. Well, my my dance card, so to speak, didn't fill up. I didn't have one name on it for a while. And I figured, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? Did I not do everything well enough? And my sponsor just kept telling me, keep doing service, keep putting your name out there, and lo and behold, in God's time, we not Judith, I started on my journey of sponsoring, which has been the blessing of my life. I feel so grateful and honored and humbled to be able to walk people through with the light shining a little bit brighter so they could find their way to their recovery. So here I am before you in this day sharing my story and some of No more quarterbacking for Judith. No more looking back in hindsight and thinking that I can fix it by myself. There is a lot of Monday morning quarterback that happens when there's losing and even when there's winning teams. I just will share with you a little oddity or creativity I came up with last night, envisioning two teams in the game of football. One is called the recovery team. And due to anonymity, I'm going to only give you their first names. There are five players on this team. I think there are more. I know there are more on the regular football teams, but this is my creative football team. So the name of the players are Surrender, Suggestive, Simple, Sane, and Serenity. And the other team is called the Disease Team. 
And again, due to anonymity, only first names here. The players are selfish, self-seeking, self-pity, self-delusion, and self-will. And they battle it out, hopefully not hurting each other, but many times injuries, some, some devastating, do happen. I live on the recovery team. Every day I surrender. Every day is a new lifetime to me. I know that this book is suggestive and there was such comfort in knowing that I wasn't going to be demanded of or told this is the only way. There was room in there for me to be me with God and take the suggestions and create for myself with God's help what is going to work for Judith. This program, as we talk often, is very simple, very simple, not easy, takes a lot of work. But the only complication and the only scratch my heads come from complicating. It's simple. I've gained sanity. I sure have a long way to go. But now I can hold my emotions. I can love them. I can cherish them and I can let them go instead of acting out on them and hurting myself and then invariably hurting other people. And I do find serenity. I am able to say, as Melanie pointed out, the beautiful serenity prayer, God's running the show, thy will be done at a moment's notice. And so I'm able to move away from selfish, self-seeking, self-pity, self-delusion, and self-will. And I'm able to do that through my work on the steps on a daily basis. Steps two and three are my winning ticket. All the steps are a winning ticket. But now that I know I cannot pick up foods that are going to create the allergy that are going to go through my body and eventually hit my mind and hit my brain into twisted thinking and keep me in the disease. Once I truly know that, and every day I make that pledge to God and myself, I'm not going there today, God, but I need your help to stay on this side of the street. I find purpose and vibrancy, and it's electrifying. The fact, the fact that I am here sharing with you for me and God, or God and I, is a true testament of the miracles of this program in terms of so many more on a moment-to-moment basis that I experience. So I don't need to look back in hindsight. There are others that have shared and you all have been through or are going to be going through step four. So there'll be cleaning up of the past. And I can peek back there occasionally if something pulls me there. But in most of the time now, I can clean up. I don't have to go back and try to figure out why did I do that again. 
And what I'd like to do right now with your patience is just go through some of what came to me as almost popping off this alive book's pages on steps two and steps three in relationship to I don't need any more quarterbacking on Mondays because it's Sunday and this is the God's day of giving for me. So I'll first refer and I'll say the page number and then just read to you briefly in the last few minutes of my share. Page 44 in paragraph 1. If when you honestly want to, you find you cannot quit entirely, or if when drinking you have little control over the amount you take, you are probably an alcoholic. If that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. Unbelievable to me because, believable actually, not unbelievable. Because there were many times I felt like I didn't fit in here. I'd qualify myself out. You know, you don't have this and you don't have that. And look at what they all say. You don't think that way. But the honest reality is that when I started picking up the food, I could not control how much I ate. And I could not quit. I was always figuring out how next can I get what I need. So I fit in, and I also agree through my own experiences with God, my sponsor, and you all, and all the other tools, that my spiritual experience, my spiritual awakening, and mine was and continues to be of the educational slow type, is the only remedy. I remember that every day. Page 45, paragraph 2. Lack of power, that was our dilemma, because it was I, it was Judith. I had to, we had to find a power by which we could live, and it had to be a power greater than ourselves. Amen to that. Well, that's exactly what this big book is going to share. Its main objective is to enable you, to enable me, to find that greater power, that will solve my problems. What a relief. What a relief. I don't have to figure it out because I've screwed it up my whole life. And I do want to let you know that three of my favorite words in recovery, which used to be the thorn in my heart, was I don't know. I don't know. I don't know anything. God knows. I just take his lead. Page 46, paragraph 1, the third sentence. I think it's the third sentence. I apologize if it's... We found that as soon as we were able to lay aside prejudice, and I include hindsight there, and express even a willingness to believe in a power greater than ourselves, we commenced to get results, even though it was impossible for any of us to fully define or comprehend the power, which is God. 
Much to our relief, we discovered we did not need to consider another's conception of God. Our own conception, however inadequate, was sufficient, sufficient to make the approach and to effect a contact with him. All I had to do was having the willingness. There's a Yiddish term, mishigas. In my head is craziness. I am going to always try to crazy myself out of my healthy being. And I can create with God my own conception. There were so few times in my life where I was given leeway to figure it out on my own, by myself, with the grace of God with me. What a relief. What a relief. Page 47, the second paragraph. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe, or am I even willing to believe, that there is a power greater than myself? As soon as a man can say that he does believe, or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. The structure of building myself as a child of God, created with the purity, the love, and understanding is what I've been doing since I have made the commitment to God and myself to work my program and be in this fellowship. And the last sentence on the um, third paragraph on page 47 is very powerful because this is another player on the recovery team. So it was comforting to learn that we could commence at a simpler level. Simple, simple. I needed simple. Too much craziness would not allow me to deal with anything very complicated. And it's somewhat or or pretty much true with much in my life today. Page 50, the last paragraph. Here are thousands of men and women, worldly indeed. They flatly declare that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves, to take a certain attitude towards that power, and to do certain simple things. There has been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking. In the face of collapse and despair, in the face of the total failure of their human resources, they found that a new power, peace, happiness, and sense of direction flowed into them. This happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements. To me, that's the steps. Once confused and baffled by the seeming futility of existence, that was me, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. And then the last couple, the last sentence in that uh, top page 51. When many hundreds of people are able to say that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, 
They present powerful reasons why one should have faith. And faith wasn't on the team, but faith was underlying and is underlying all the players on the team. That gives all the players on the team their footing. Almost finished here. Okay. Page 55, the second paragraph. Actually, we were fooling ourselves, for deep down in every man, woman, and child is the fundamental idea of God. It may be obscured by calamity, as it was most of my life, by pomp, by worship of other things, but in some form or other it is there, for faith is a power greater than ourselves, and miraculous demonstrations of that power in human lives are facts as as old as man himself. We finally saw that faith in some kind of God was a part of our makeup, just as much as the feeling we have for a friend. Sometimes we had to search fearlessly, but he was there. He was as much a fact as we were. We found the great reality deep down within. In the last analysis, it is only there that he may be found. It is so with us. Page 57. When we drew near to him, he disclosed himself to us. That clearly says to me every morning, I have to do my part. I have to draw near to to God. I have to do the footwork. God is not going to come to me, open the door on the white horse and say, come on, Judith, I'm ready for you. Oh, you can't get up on your own? I'll carry you. I have to start the action. It is up to me. That's the one key that I have to unlock myself. And then God is right there. God is always there, but he wants me to take the first step and connect with him. Just a few things, not to minimize, but because of time. On step three, page 59. Okay. Half measures avail us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. Abandon is the is the uh, backup, not really, but just to keep things simple, to surrender on the team. If surrender has to go, doesn't feel well or whatever, abandon comes in. So there's always five strong players on the team. Page 60, the last paragraph. The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. On that basis, we are almost always in collision. Boy, was I in collision. With something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live on self-propulsion. 
And I will close with page 62 into page 63. This is how the how and why of it. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter, in this game of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father, and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple, and this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. And let me just see. Okay, well, the game is over, and uh, everybody is going home soon, and we're all going to be walking into our own lives. And as was mentioned in the opening, if I pray and I meditate in the morning, and then I stay in my pajamas and I stay in bed, am I really recovered? I'm covered up, but I'm not really recovered. And so for me, this was not easy. This was a little stressful. But thank you, God, for giving me the opportunity to serve and share with my fellows what is in my heart and soul. And I hope and pray that my words, through the energy of my spirit, have touched even one person on the line today. If not... I know I did my best. And with that, Melanie, I will pass. Thank you for letting me share. Oh, thank you so <clears throat> Pardon me. Thank you so very much, Judith, for this presentation this morning. The analogy is just beautiful and certainly not lost on this meeting today. You presented with such ease and calm and humility. It was lovely to be able to listen to you. You know, I can relate so well to the idea of shoulda, woulda, coulda, and after, and the criticizing, and how I might have done it differently, yet to know, do nothing at all. You know, the reference to the big book that you made here this, this morning as well just correlates so well and just continues to bring your story to life. It was just, just lovely to be able to hear it. Thank you for contributing so much of your yourself to this particular meeting that we can have this type of recording. So guess what, though? Judith, the lines are now going to be open for questions if you're ready for it. If you have a question for Judith this morning, if you'd please unmute by pressing star 1 on your phone keypad and offer your first name, the first letter of your last name. Barbara E. from New Jersey. To your question, please move your... Please refresh your phone for star one again so that it remutes your line. And I heard Barbara from New Jersey. Angie. Did I hear an Angie? Did I hear an Angie? Katie G. Nancy. I I put it together. So I got Nancy and Katie G and Jeff W. Jack. Cindy B. Jack. Jack. My ears are off this morning. And I heard then... What did I hear? Somebody B. Wendy B. Hey, Wendy, good morning. Thank you. Lauren Grace B. Lauren Grace. 
Okay, that's a good amount. Let's see if we can work through these this morning and see where it lands us, and then we'll open back up if time will allow for us. So it looks like I have Barbara E., Nancy, Katie G., Jack W., Wendy B., and Lauren Grace. I think that we have that in that order. Thanks so much. Okay, anybody else with press star one to mute your line to, to make it nice and quiet, and we'll listen to Barbara E.'s question and answer. Everybody else, star one, please. Good morning. That was so beautiful. I really wasn't going to stay. I always listen um, after it's all done. But I wanted to thank you, Susan S.H., for that really inspirational um, communication and compassion and um, explanation of your concept. And I wanted to ask you if your concept your visualization of God, if you have one, um, changes over time. Because I've always found that sometimes it's my cell phone because it's always with me and I even have a spiritual toolkit. And sometimes it's just the sunrise. So that's what my question is to you. Has your concept of what your God is changed over time? And thanks again. I love, love, love the concept of the, the two teams, the disease team and the recovery team. I'm going to take that with me as a nugget of gold. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara E., for your question. Judith S.P., the question is up to you. Would you press star one, please? Judith S.P., star one, real quick like, please. Sorry. Uh, thank you for the question, Barbara. Uh, for me, there's, there's a feeling, a sensation inside and outside that has always been with me. I know that I was born with it, and I have carried it through the hellish experiences of my life um, through this moment in time, from that place, and I uh, words limit my description. So, creative, energetic, something electrifying that had, had been quieted, but from that place, I see God all around. I see God in, you know, the beauty that you talked about or the technology, the fact that I could be on my my home phone and the battery is lasting so I can be part of this talk. It, it God doesn't change for me. It is the extension of God in everything from God that changes and shifts as I keep my cl lens clear and my heart and soul open. So I hope that helps. Thank you. Thank you very much for your question, Barbara E. Next up is Thank Nancy. You your question, much. please. Hey, good morning, everyone. Judith S.P., thank you so much for your share today. Man, I knew it. I knew football was in the big book. <laughs> it made perfect sense to me today. Um, and I'd like to ask you if you could just real quickly go through the recovery team names again. But my question to you is this hindsight 
rather than being in the moment. Monday morning quarterback and always replaying and rehashing and then being in the moment and seeing a different way that your higher power of God has brought you to do something different. When you start doing the Monday morning quarterback, is there something you do to cut off that tape and stay in the moment? Thank you very much, and thanks again for your share today. Hi, thank you for the question. Just briefly, the recovery team, uh, and again, with anonymity, it's only first names here, surrender, suggestive, simple, sane, and serenity. And um, what happens for me when I start going into, oh, I shoulda, coulda, woulda, or whatever, and looking back, number one, I turn to God right away. And I ask God to forgive me and help me uh, explore corrective measures. And in addition, sometimes I do it a little bit, kicking and screaming, but not much anymore. I'll do a 10th step. I can tell now, in the grace of God, being clearer and cleaner, not clear and clean, clearer and cleaner, a work in progress, that I can really differentiate in my inner being when that rumble, when that disease kind of negativity is starting to creep back in. And as God is my witness, I cannot spend any more of the precious life I have left getting myself involved in that crap any more than just becoming aware of it and using my tools to get back on the horse and keep on riding forward. So thank you. I hope that helps. Thank you so much for the question this morning, Nancy C. Next question, Katie G. And then after that, Jack. Hey, Melanie. Thanks for leading today. And uh, Judith SP, what a privilege to get to know you. We've judged together for a while. Thank you for your beautiful service. And this is curious. Um, I kind of thought that like step three was something I did once. And um, as I've stayed in the rooms, my understanding has has evolved. I'm wondering what your experience is around step three, if you've gone back to it, if you do go back to it every day, like how, um, and you touched upon this. But I was just hoping you could share a little bit more. Does that make sense? Makes wonderful sense, and thank you for the question. Um, yes, I, I'm in tune with all the steps, and step three for me is turn my will and my life over to the God of my understanding. Self-will has been around for so many years that for me, I have to every day, as I begin my day, but throughout the day, be consciously connected to the fact that I made the decision. If I've made the decision and I'm going to be honest, open, and willing to lead a life of service and purpose to my God, then I have to follow through with my actions based upon that decision. And it is, it is critical to my being able to live my life the way I am now that I turn it over to God. As in just a brief example, 
coming to do this share today. If I didn't turn my life and my will over to God, I would have been paralyzed, and there, I couldn't have been here. And I spent all day yesterday, you know, putting my dissertation of my presentation like I was going to a big stockbroker meeting. And then this morning said, just do your best. And I had to surrender and give up because it, it the cropping up of that churning self stuff is going to always be with me. But in recovery, it can become quieter and quieter. It's never going to shut up totally, but it can be gently loved and put in its proper place. So thank you. Thank you for the question, Katie G. Next up, Jack W. with your question, and then followed by Wendy B. Oh, thank you so much, Miss Melanie, for your service. And um, Miss Judith, I uh, I had to get up and go to the little boys' room, and you might have discussed this when I came back. I heard you talk about pause and then uh, respond to uh, issues. So I think I, I might have missed it. But my question is, did you ever have... Um, an issue with like um, knee-jerk reaction to simple triggers that where you took the emotion to the extreme. I seem to be struggling with that right now, but it's just I'm, I'm hoping that with step two and with, you know, entire abstinence one day at a time, I'll get better, and I don't even think about pause. And before you know it, I've done put my foot in my mouth, and I've got my God squad, and I'm calling people daily saying, <laughs> you know, I'm irritable and and at dis-ease and having to talk about it, which I'm grateful for that tool and and so proud of myself for doing that finally after 30-something years. But anyways, that, that's my question. Uh, sorry if I rambled, and thank you. Thank you, Jack. And uh, what you described initially in your question was my entire life up until coming into the rooms and and even in the rooms in, uh, and still. Still, some moments, you know, I go back to or I am living in my disease for for moments. Um, Your courage and um, forthright and sharing and asking the question shows you've come a long way. And for me, um, I have to give myself grace, and I know God gives me grace. God is my role model and my strength and my everything. And I know that God loves me unconditionally, whether I rant and rave or, you know, I give a humongous financial donation to a cause that I don't believe in. Um, there, there's so many different ways. I have, I have been abusive. 
primarily emotionally um, for so long, and I feel it and I know it. And just like when um, a little child goes from a tricycle to a bicycle with training wheels, it ha- they have to practice over and over and over. And then one day, the training wheels come off, and they might be on the two-wheeler, and guess what? They're going to fall, because falling is part of the learning. And then they get picked up, they cry, whatever, or they don't want to tell anyone they fell, um, but they keep on going. And then one day, they can wear their helmet, hopefully, and go on a cross-country bike trip. Poof, pretty neat. But it's a matter of gentle loving, and instead of saying, I can't or I don't, I say, Judith, are you willing to try and press the pause button? Are you willing to turn to God in steps two and step three? Because daily there's going to be a gravitational pull towards the old way. It, I know it's there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna, uh, you know, kid myself anymore. I'm clear and clean and abstinent. I know when I'm BSing. So kindness and gentleness to myself, and just keep working it, as they say. If I work it, it's going to work in God's time. And sometimes when I act a way or behave in a way that I'm not happy about, I can find some relief in in acceptance that everything is exactly the way God wants it to be in this moment. And there's also room to change. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you very much, Jack W., for your question. Wendy B., you're up next with your question, and Lauren Grace will follow you, and it looks like time will allow for a few more questions after Lauren Grace. Hey, Wendy, you're first. Good morning. This is Wendy B., recovered in Arizona, and um, thank you so much for your share. Um, you, you, I missed part of this. You, you mentioned um, I can hold my emotions, and then it seemed like something you said about maybe um, – validating them and giving them away or something like that. And I just was wondering if you could, like, validate, I mean, not validate, uh, expound on on that sentiment. Thank you. Uh, Thank you, Wendy, for the question. Uh, When when I heard your um, request for for some more detail, I thought of um, a little child, excuse me, having a temper tantrum, whether it's in the store or they just flip out because they're tired or because they're a little kid. And they're wailing and they're just flailing around. That's the way my emotions are sometimes and more so have been in the past. And the best thing that I have experienced, and I didn't do the greatest with this with my own children, I'm having an opportunity with grandchildren, thank you, God, is to gently hold them and love them and know that God is with me as I protect them and give them the love 
and kindness and also protection that they need in that moment. Now, if they're flailing around, if I'm throwing my anger around here, there, I really do need a time out. And I don't know if anybody except God can help me. But um, when I find myself raising my voice or doing something that I know is not part of who Judith is and wants to be, I gently and lovingly slow myself down. I might say the serenity prayer. I did the other day. I noticed something coming out of my mouth towards someone in the kitchen at the same time I was, and I couldn't retract the words. They weren't as loud as I thought they were, but I immediately said the serenity prayer. And if I don't have enough time because the emotion is that heated, I will just turn to God and say, please, God, I'll do what I need to do. Just be here with me right now. And that replaces and quiets that tantrumy energy, whether it's fear, whether it's anger, whether it's entitlement, whatever it is that I'm being triggered by. So I hope that helps. Thank you. Thank you very much, Wendy B., for your question. Next question comes from Lauren Grace, and then we'll open up for additional questions. Hey, Lauren Grace. Good morning. Good morning. This is Lauren Grace B. from New Jersey. Judith, thank you so much for your share. I always enjoy your sharing, and I was definitely blessed by it today. So thank you so much. Um, My question is, how do steps two and three keep you from picking up the food? Thank you for the question. For me, steps two and three replace my need to go to the food. When I'm able to uh, consider and, and turn to God and fill my heart and soul with God and with the decisions of moving my self will out of the way and having God's will come in, I don't want the food. I've spent too many moments, too many hours, and too many days, weeks, months, and years, and they've piled up high um, in the food. And for the brief 5, 10, 15 seconds of comfort and ease that I get from that crap, and the other part of this for me is I have a true belief that God created me and he created this unbelievably phenomenal body of mine. And this body is the vehicle that takes me around this world, that takes me around my home, that goes into the car, that takes me to whatever. And just as I would not put oil in my gas tank, and think that I could drive off safely. There is no way on this God's earth that I can put the foods I used to ingest in my body and have any thought that I can be healthily purposeful and serve God in the way that God needs and wants me to serve. So when I make the decision 
and I've also came to believe that Judith's will alone has royally screwed up the game. And I don't mean game flippantly, because it was a game because I was just nutty, and games sometimes are nutty. You know, they have challenges and things. So the food doesn't call to me when I live in God's grace through all the steps. And, And when I acknowledge that once I start, I can't stop, and once I start, my mind is going to be off and running in insanity, then I start to look at, once I have the food down, which thank God has been for a while now, and is, thank God, in this day. This is the only abstinent day I have. And I don't turn to the food because my energy is turning towards God. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Lauren Grace, for your question this morning. Looks like time will allow for additional questions. If you have a question for Judith, give me a first name, first initial, be last name, and see if we can maybe squeeze in about Charles four Grace. or five more. Hey, Charles. Hey, Mel. Diana V. Diana V. Chris G. Chris G. Polly D. Polly D. Okay, with that break or pause, let's go with this four for now and see if we can eke out more later. Charles H., you're first with your question, please. Good morning to you. Hey, thank you, Mel, for your service, and thank you, Judith. That was uh, that was that was dope. Raw, uncut, love that. Um, so my, I got a two-part question. My question is, um, so ever since your evolution, in, in in particular, going through the step process again, what? So part A is what amends um, did you find that you were willing to make this time? And you know, living it, we we throw around that phrase ten, eleven, and twelve like cheese, bologna, and bread, and maybe mayonnaise on it. Uh, no ketchup, no. <laughs> But uh, the second part of the question is, you know, based on, on the buildup of human emotions on a daily basis, what are your thoughts on attaching? Because we say step 10 is four through nine, yet some people don't believe that if they have a negative emotion, they don't owe any amends to anybody or anything. So what, I, I would like to see if I could collect your uh, thoughts on those two processes. Thank you. And I pass. Okay, um, I might have to have you repeat the first part again, but I'll start with the second part. Um, 10, 11, and 12 are encapsulated in 4 through 9, but as I said in my share, um, because of all the uh, time I spent in my disease and and self uh, self-destruction, my brain cells are just coming back into vibrancy. And so I have to keep things simple. And sometimes mathematically, um, I get a bit challenged. I'm good with the basics. But, you know, looking at 10 being 4 through 9, it probably is. 
But for me, um, I do make amends in steps, steps 10, and I pray about it, and I meditate, and I do service to others when it gets real raunchy for myself. As an example, there was there was a time a few weeks ago that um, I was somewhat agitated, and I was trying to get some information from my county uh, help number, and um, they weren't helping me. And I went a little bit bonkers. And, you know, ultimately I pushed through to the point where they gave me what I needed. Well, what I needed was for me to be gentle, loving, and kind with any human being, no matter what I need. In any event, after the fact and after I got the information, and I did a 10th step on it because it was taking a whole lot of room in my my head and heart, um, I made the call back to the help center, and I got another worker, and I said, can I speak to so-and-so? Um, there's something about a conversation I had with them that I wasn't very pleased on how I behaved. And the person said, well, whatever. I can't transfer you. I said, okay, I understand, because already I wanted to, come on, man, what do you mean you can't transfer me? But I didn't want to go there because I'd have to make another amends. So I just settled down, turned to God, and said, uh, okay, would you be able to pass a short message on for me? And then I told them what I wanted to do in terms of my amends. They said I'd be happy to do so. And I've had that happen with a number of situations, and people are very grateful and very receptive. And many times, if I can directly make those amends, they say, oh, it's no big deal or whatever. And I say, well, for me it is, so thank you for receiving it. So... um, In my 10th step, sometimes I can catch myself and know that the 10th step needs to be done so that I can clean myself up. But if in doing the 10th steps or even before doing it, I know I made some mess, I will do the 10th step, which will give me the clarity and strength to make the amends. If I don't make the amends, it's like, doing my my prayer and meditation in the morning and then putting the covers over my head. What 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 is it going to do for me and for my service to God? And can you briefly, if if possible, share the second part, the first part of your question? Absolutely. I could clarify that first part. And thank you. You, you really uh, cleared up uh, some things you made in the second part. So the first part of the question is, you know, I heard during your qualification you were saying that, you know, you went through the steps and, um, you know, prior and there were some things that you didn't, you know, or hopefully I'm not uh, misquoting you, but there were some things that you probably, you know, uh, skipped over. This time around, as you stated, I think you said 2014, um, going through the steps, is there some amends that you realized that you needed to make that you did not make on the first round? you, Charles. Yes, there were. And as I said, when I did the steps in 2014, I don't even remember if I even did make amends. So if I did, 
so be it. Uh, when I went through my list based upon step four and what even came up afterwards, um, I made amends, and um, some of those amends um, were to individuals who were gone, so I had to do it in a different form. Um, but there were also ones in which I said, really? I don't think I'll even be able to find them. And through God's grace and some of the uh, Internet connections now, um, I was able to find some people. And, uh, you know, I don't know if this happens to other people. I would assume, uh, not assume, I would hope or think that it has to some of you, that, you know, when I called or, or contacted people, uh, they said, I don't even remember what you're talking about. But I said, well, whether you remember or not, it's it's heavy on my heart, and I'm grateful that you're here to receive it. And, uh, you know, I made my amends. And I know there are more amends, because as my memory gets clearer, there are things that I'm remembering. I'm not as much a detail-specific, uh, or I wasn't, about my past up until this moment. But now I'm, oh, remember that teacher or, you know, that employer or remember Jane or, you know, and I said, whoa. And so now I, I there's a good probability that I'm going to be doing more amends. I think it is fluid, and it has a life of its own as long as I'm living my life. So thank you. Hope that helps. Thank you very much, Charles, for your questions this morning. Diana V., you're up next with your question, followed by Chris G. Hi, this is Diana. Uh, thanks so much for your share. I heard you talk about grace, and I've talked to other people like more recently, she said, like, oh, I need a sponsor that has, that gives me a lot of grace or provides me with a lot of grace. And I, I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit more. I, mean, I looked it up in the dictionary, but I was just wondering if you could talk about how that plays a role in your life today. Uh, thank you for the question. Um, grace... Grace is grace to me, you know. It's it's almost um, a combination of other experiences internally that I express outwardly. It's somewhat of, for me, a combination of love, kindness, respect, and humility. Um there, there's a term that I can relate to very easily, being a lover of dance. I love dance, and I've danced not professionally and not highfalutin, but much of my life. And I have always felt, not boastfully, but just, you know, it's something I have, that I'm a graceful dancer, that I I can move in the space that, I take up in a, a kind of flowing way, a gentle way. And that to me is what grace 
in terms of grace to myself and in my privilege of being part of this fellowship and my work with others is just offering grace as almost a bridge between myself and God to other people and other experiences that I come in contact with. Grace is a very beautiful word to me, and um, it's almost like I carry it um, on a soft pillow as I walk through my life. I'm not sure if this answers your question, but that's what's coming to me. Thank you. Thank you very much, Diana uh, V, for your question this morning. Chris G., we have time for your question, and hopefully we'll have time for Polly's as well. But let's start with Chris. Good morning, Chris, your question. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you, Judith, for uh, for speaking today. Uh, great, great job. And um, I really uh, like what you said about hindsight and, 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 and the you know, the I, the, the self-centeredness, the selfishness. Boy, I know what you're talking about. Um, I wanted to ask you when you, when you went from the uh, disease team to the recovery team, how you experienced uh, gratitude differently. Thank you. Thanks, Chris, for the question. Um, my gratitudes in the I, in the me, self-centered, and all the other selves that, that are attached to that was, um, yeah, thanks. I did deserve it. Or thanks, um, of course I should have it. You know, if I'd get a gift or someone would do something, help me out, it came from a place of entitlement, you know. Whoever wrote the rule book um, better have read the uh, autobiography, The World According to Judith, and uh, not only have it be on the top of the bestseller list, but you should have read every word so that you would know how to please me. So gratitude really was wrapped up with please me, and do for me, and underneath all of that was that I felt so crappy about myself that uh, I had to cover it up with all these smiles and thank yous. My gratitude in the state of life and design of living that I'm in now is I experience it as um, a quiet, humbling, uh, gift from God, gift from God, and I can either say it silently to myself and God, I can say it softly, and sometimes if I was given the opportunity, I would want to stand on a rooftop and shout it out, um, but whichever way um, I do, um, I am just so grateful for God bringing me into these rooms and giving me the opportunities that I have been able to have and um, utilize to become 
a servant and a child of God. So I hope that helps. Thank you. Thank you, Christy, for your question. It looks like we have just about a minute and a half for the last question here this morning. Um, Paula D., would you like to ask your question? And we'll see if we keep in that time. Paula D., star one, please. Yes, Melanie, can you hear me? I'm driving in the mountains. I can, yes, yes, loud and clear. Okay, good. All right, quickly. Thank you, Judith. That was great. Um, you mentioned the whiplash of going through the steps quickly, one of your first times. So I'm curious how you work with sponsees in terms of how quickly or not you work with the big books. Do you read it every night with, I mean, every time with them, or do you assign it? That's my question, or maybe it depends on the sponsee and their schedule. Thank you. Thank you, Polly. And knowing that time is of the essence, I'll briefly say my sponsoring has shifted and changed over time. And also it's dependent upon the person that I'm working with, whether it's someone very new to the rooms or someone who's been through the steps a couple times and hasn't been able to hold on to recovery. So um, as of right now, um, I don't. In this particular go-around, my sponsee and I read the chapters separately, complementing with a special edition on the chapter, and then we spend an hour, either daily or every couple days, talking about it, and there are parts that we read together. If there's another sponsee who's in need of a different format, I don't have, as with most everything in program, it's all suggestive and it's fluid. As long as I stay close to God and work the 12 steps with someone as instructed in this book. So thank you for letting me share that. Thank you very much, Paula D, for your question. And that will end our question and answer time this morning. And I once again wanted to say thank you, Judith, for offering so much of yourself this morning. I'm very, very grateful as we will delight in being able to have this particular presentation in our archives this morning. It was very rich and very wise, born of experience. You could just feel that. I'm grateful to be in front of this this morning today. So what I'd like to do then is transition to closing out this part of the meeting as we transition to the last little bit by reading from the big book on page 164, like we always do here. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as we trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep 